Welcome to the Slam Radio Podcast, featuring Good Morning Amigo. This is Dak Prescott, and you're listening to Slam Radio. Oh, I love sports. 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 You are listening to Good Morning Amigo on Sirius XM 145. All right, we're back here on Good Morning Amigo. Sirius XM 145, Slam Radio. Our next guest. I don't know if he's in yet. I don't know if he's, he's already ready to go, huh? <laughs> I am such an awkward radio host. I can't help it, bro. William Needham Finlay IV is joining us here on Good Morning, Amigo. <laughs> hey, how are you doing? William, how are you? I'm, I'm doing, doing well. How are you? I'm doing good, my man. We uh, we appreciate you coming on the show. Um, we have introduced you all first hour, of course. Um, we played that whole little joke of going with your, uh, with your, I guess with your Twitter persona. And brother, we talk about Firefest on this show often, and it was, it, it tapered off. And then when the pandemic hit, it, it became a topic again. And and obviously the other night I'm up watching this and it's I have a couple of my uh my daughter's friends over they're watching this show and and they're already 18 whatever and and as they're watching this they're laughing and and you come up on this and i'm like man i gotta get this guy on the show like this they get behind all of this and actually watch this and getting to talk to you and watching the other documentary really even opened my eyes some more um i think the first question that comes to mind frank has to agree with me on this is Gosh, I think Stevie and Helen Keller would have seen that this was fake like long before a lot of people realized and spent thousands of dollars to go to this festival and, and really buy into whatever it was that, that Billy McFarlane was selling. Yeah, buddy. It was crazy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I probably should have been, um, you know, a little more aware of what was going on. But um, I don't know. In the moment, everything just seemed like, oh, it'll be okay. You know, it's not going to be as bad as it turned out to be. You know, we just had no idea that, that that's what we were showing up to. It was um, it was almost weird. I said the buildup, since I didn't know about it when I first saw it, uh, I, hadn't, I hadn't really heard about it. And obviously early in the documentary, you figure out that there's going to come a point where this is going to get bad. Um, there was a tension that built up just watching it. And that's what oh, yeah. that marveled me that, you know, I know some of you, you're, you're a smart dude, man. So, like, you figured out this is going to either go bad, it's going to go good, but either way, I'm here and let's see what happens. And you, for some reason, had the presence of mind to document some of this stuff. Yeah, it just, I mean, that was kind of the, the persona. I mean, I, you know, created this character, the joke, back in, like, 2006 or seven to sort of make fun of my, you know, local hometown and old money and stuff like that. And it became a, a real job in 2016 or so and i thought well i want to be an influencer now kind of tongue-in-cheek i'm not really going to be successful at this i've got 4,000 twitter followers or whatever and my friend actually found out about the festival and said we've got to go he's a big music festival guy and um like i don't know man it seems kind of like out of my league this i'm not an actual influencer i mean we legit thought we were going to be you know hanging out with the rock and taylor swift and um, just having the best time of our lives. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it just seemed like something I should document for the purpose of, like, kind of making a, a parody of it. And um, 
because I was like me being there would have been I'm a fish out of water like what am I doing at this ridiculously nice luxurious music festival so going in I knew like I'm here to kind of make this like a work trip quote unquote and um you know when they told us that they wouldn't have um electricity like they would have charging stations and it was a chance to unplug and get away I was like all right I'm just gonna bring a lot of extra batteries <laughs> on my phone because I'm not you know sitting in line at the charging station so um but yeah it was wild and as you you saw people around you was there doubt from others going in or not even concerned but that like the heck let's see what happens but this doesn't seem right like did you get that sense or were you kind of the only ones figuring this is strange um it, it just all kind of happened so quick like we were on the plane and you're waiting to take off and you know people are making a couple jokes like oh what are we what are we heading down to and um but you know it didn't uh like we had not seen anything that was just the, the craziness that you saw so I don't think anybody really figured out it was, you know, it, it was a whole just sort of facade until, like, you know, we got down there and you're walking around for a couple hours and there's nothing going on. You know, there's nobody telling you, like, all right, we're, we're getting ready for the first act or whatever. It's just, you know. It, I, I guess, the, yeah, it was just, it, it came off as a... To, go, to say it eloquently in Pig Latin, and it shay, oh shay, it was really kind of crazy. So my next question is, did you feel as if the documentary, the one on Netflix, actually captured that frenzy? Or was it worse being there? Because, you know, you know something's always missed. But I got to be honest with you. I watched that. I was terrorized. I, I, when it started raining on the tents, I, I about... I, I couldn't stop laughing at the same time figured what a mess. And I, I just, I can only imagine being in that mess. Like, like was the frenzy more than it seemed to come off in that documentary? I think the Netflix documentary captured it well. And a lot of, um, you know, to your point, like a lot of people didn't, didn't capture this. You know, there isn't a lot of footage out there. Um, a lot of people that went were influencers. And it's interesting that like their, their take on it is, the camera pointed at their face and saying, Oh my God, this is crazy. And just like, Hey, turn, turn the camera around and, and document what's actually happening. Um, so I think that, uh, you know, they used a lot of my footage and I think that really kind of summed up what was going on, but it, it was, I mean, you could have gone on into a little bit more detail about like, what was the kitchen situation like and what was the luggage? I mean, there were all these little things that happened that you just can't fit into, you know, a, a, a documentary. But um, it was just, you know, a ridiculous experience. Joining us, William Needham Finley IV. Are, are we okay with going with your name? Or did you want me to just keep it the William Needham? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I think by now it's, uh, I think it's, Seth Prosto. Seth Everybody knows who you are, sort yeah. of. But I, yeah. I love the name. I am fascinated by the name. I go into my dignitary yeah. accent, and once in a while my Spanglish comes through there. I apologize for that. Um, Seth Crosno joins us here, and you were really the catalyst to that first documentary, in my opinion. And I think some of the comic moments where we got to giggle at some of the craziness about it 
kind of surrounded it. There's something that happened before or after you would say on the docu. When did you, you get back, obviously I'm sure you needed a couple of days to feel like you were clean and slept again and whatnot, but was it immediately you realized you had a gem on your hands with at least the information that you had and that what you had chronicled and documented? Um, it, it took a while. It was a, a weird story. A friend of mine it, executive produced a documentary and he actually like debuted it here in Raleigh um, the night before I left. And I went and, you know, I caught the end of it and I was like, Hey, this is great. I'm heading down to fire festival. Um, let's chat when we get back. Um, have, you know, just catch up or whatever. And we go to this thing, I get all this footage and I still think like, even though the tweets are going viral while I'm on the Island, I think we get to Miami, it's Friday morning. This will be like a Friday news story. You know, by Monday, people probably won't even be talking about this. And I just did interviews all day long, Friday, Saturday, I mean, into the next week. And it just continued to, to go. And, you know, I'll just, I'll do anything. If people want to talk about it, I'll talk about it. I have no you know, problem at all. And so when people reach out, I'm sure I'll do an interview. And um, so I, I did have a lot of footage. And so I call my friend Burke up and I say, hey, you know, you're in this documentary world. I've got like 20 minutes of footage. What? I mean, what do you even do with this? And he took it up to some people and um, had some meetings. And then that kind of became the start of the thing that Vice was doing. And then they got Chris Smith, the director, attached on. And then it ended up moving over to the to the Jerry Media um, people as producers. And so, um, it, you know, I didn't think, like, oh, this is going to be a huge hit. I just thought, I've got some footage. I don't know anything about the backstory. I didn't at that time even know that Billy was like a criminal, you know. So I just thought, oh, this is, you know, Instagram meets uh, Lord of the Flies. Um, maybe maybe there's, you know, something funny there. But, I, you know, it's so complex. And, and like Chris Smith said in an interview once um, that they could have done like an eight to ten episode Netflix series of this. But they ended up cutting it to a, to a documentary. So there's so much more information. Um, so I didn't know that at the time. I just felt like, oh, it's called Burke. He's, he's in this documentary world. He'll, you know, maybe have an idea of what to do with this. The, the, the interesting part of all this is how Billy wanted to have himself documented as well in some of the stuff that, that like maybe. he was doing, which is amazing because he's basically videotaping his crimes. I never could quite understand that. And what happened with me that I love saying the story, and I think I told you when we first spoke, was it didn't really hit me till later. And I said, wait a minute, how did we get that perspective? And that's why I became, oh, my God, this guy is hysterical. But, but more importantly, you see the footage, but you see the stuff that he's talking into a camera. I go, dude, this guy caught his own crimes. This is, this is unbelievable. And he, yeah. he got out of jail and went back and did more of that. It, amazing to me yeah is that narcissism is that just plain stupidity um i think it's probably a, a little bit of both maybe you know throw in some overconfidence there it's just like it was mind-blowing to me that um you know i, th I think since you know he got charged with you know, the things he got charged with in um i guess july or august of that year and that was the first that I found, whoa, this guy is, you know, accused of defrauding investors for the Fire Media Company and then, you know, using that money on Fire Festival. And so he, you know, is out on bail or whatever. And I guess he just thought, like, I'm, I'm going to get out of this. Like, I didn't, you know, 
this will be fine. And that's when he continued and started the New York City VIP access thing. And when I got those emails in December, I just thought, maybe he sold the email list because I, I checked with my friends. I said, did you guys get this, you know, uh, thing about the masters or whatever? And they were like, yeah, we just thought it was a scam, I guess. And those were the friends that had gone on the trip with me. And um, so I was like, yeah, they must have sold the email list. And uh, I'd become friends with some of the reporters who were working on it. And I said, uh, hey, I got these emails. You might want to take a look at them. And then they did some digging and figured out that it was you know, related to Billy. And um, so I didn't even know that he had been behind that. Like he himself apparently was emailing me directly because, you know, my character of this like sort of dumb um, kind of influencer replied and I, I replied in character and I was like I'd love to go to the masters I'll take four tickets please and, and uh, I'm not going to pay for them because I'm an influencer and I've got like 10,000 followers and um, I just kind of a joke and then somebody later told me like no that was Billy you know he was signing the emails as someone else but Billy was emailing you and I don't know if Billy was aware to put like two and two together because he was sending it in my Seth Crossnote Gmail and um so I don't think he put the two together. I have no idea if he knows what, who at that point it all was. I'd like to say definitely not brilliant, but at the same time, where I'm also amazed is how many people of high influence and high economic stature bought into his bullshit. I'm amazed by that. Unbelievable. And they talk, like, talked about yeah. him being this, this amazing businessman. And... I'm just I'm 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 baffled by it. I'm I'm but at the same time it's so delicious. We're mesmerized by the story and there's more layers that unfold. You said something to me that was amazing. You said you felt like there was hours of stuff that could have been covered on this. You even in this conversation mentioned that of the whole thing that didn't get captured. What was the strangest story you remember that hasn't been captured or really talked about? Um strangest there's there are a lot. Um, I think one that isn't, one that's not like, this isn't too salacious, but I mean, because I've heard some things, like I have worked on the documentary, and there are things that like, yeah, I can't state as a fact, so I don't want to, you know, like, you know, there was $60,000 hidden in this, blah, blah, blah. Like, there's stuff that I, I don't want to repeat if it's not Correct. true. Correct. Understood. That. But Completely understood. an absolute fact that happened was, even after the New York City VIP access scam that happened in like December 2017, around maybe March of 2018, I get an email that says like Firefest pop-up shop. Like buy buy this Firefest merch, um, come to this address at this time, and we're selling this, you know, once in a lifetime. And they and they phrased it like we found a like a, a storage unit that that we want at auction that just happened to have fire merch in it and so uh, we're, we're gonna sell it and they had like models wearing it in the street they did a whole photo shoot and so I'm like what the what is this and I asked my friend Morgan who also was supposed to go to fire festival she lives up in New York say can you go to this and um, I can't remember if she went around but some other reporters did go cover it and it was like a little pop-up shop selling all of the merch and it turned out a guy for dig did a great article 
like connecting the dots. And he, in his article, laid out that a person who had been a member of Magnesis, which was Billy's first or one of his earlier companies, correct, um, was selling the merch. I think for Billy, and they thought, oh, maybe we can make a couple thousand bucks here, and that would have been, if if that is accurate, the uh, it would have been a violation of Billy's bankruptcy, the terms of his bankruptcy pleading, um, because at that point he said, you know, I'm bank, like I declare bankruptcy, and these are my assets and whatever, and, and you're not allowed to sell stuff while you're in, uh, you know, in that bankruptcy process. So that happened. That didn't even get included in the movie because I think it just was too late in the process but um i mean i saw a first cut of uh of the film the netflix one and there were stories in there from people that that ended up uh not um wanting to be involved for whatever reason and, and they would tell stories about his childhood where um you know he would like he had some plan to rob a house like as a joke and uh the, the guy on the the movie you know allegedly I don't know if this is true or not, but the guy I watched the interview, I watched him say, "Yeah, we were in high school," and Billy came up and said, uh, "We should, we should rob a house." Like I was like, "What are you talking about?" Dear and God, like, wouldn't wouldn't it be cool? Like we could just and and maybe that's just kids like saying dumb stuff in high school, but like just maybe it was a joke. I don't want to speak for you know this guy, but like the fact that this guy went on and and told this interview on camera. And then later, like, retracted it. So, you know, I'd give, like, a 50-50 chance of it being true. But uh, just that's the kind of mentality I think that he had. It was just, like, let's see what we can get away with. And, um, you know, hopefully he'll he'll learn, but but who knows. Seth Crosno joins us here on Good Morning Amigo. Am I the only one that was not attracted to a steel credit card? With a promise to get, like, like to me, you know, any any of those membership things, I'm going to get you 20% off on this, but you got to pay me the money up front. You got to pay me the discount up front. And never buy into that. You're never going to get me to believe in that. It goes against every value I have as far as what's supposed to be. I almost rather pay regular price than deal with that stuff. Um, am I the only one that, like, saw that and said, well, how ridiculous is that? No, I mean, I thought it was pretty ridiculous to get that whole, I didn't even know about Magnesis when Fire Festival happened. Um, so that, but that was a few years prior. I mean, it, they kind of overlapped, but I wasn't aware of it. I think that, you know, the people that point out, like Billy did tap into this kind of, you know, idea that millennials want somebody to, to tell them where, where to go and what's cool and everything. Um, but I don't know. I mean, they had, I need to look through the records, but it's like, I want to say a few thousand subscribers that were willing to do that. And, um, you know, I've seen similar programs pop up, you know, over the years, but um, their idea of it or Billy, what, what he would present is like, oh, we're on track to have 100,000 members in New York. And it's like, how is your exclusive credit card club going to be exclusive if you have 100,000 people in it? You know, like, how do you have these? exclusive parties with a hundred thousand members it just doesn't you know it doesn't work like and then the little so, the little room in manhattan where everybody's supposed to congregate and use it i'm like what, what the hell is like i'm like are you serious and he says it fast yeah. enough where people are actually just buying what he's saying like yeah 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 and it's yeah. it's it's 
to me, it's it's a marvel that they got away that he was able to get away with that and move on. I the other thing that marvels me is the fact that is that the personality of and I say I know you're not like a music festival guy so to speak but would you think that that is an attitude that permeates like they're just ready to go no matter what or was it the terms of how this worked out because during the preparations for Firefest, i believe there was a a guy who was outing them every day there were supposedly insiders jumping on and and letting the world know don't go to this thing this is an itchay o'shay and yet Mm -hmm. you know there it is i mean the the most delicious documentary of my lifetime. I, this is the f- funniest, yes, yet most unfortunate thing I've ever seen. Uh, an hour and a half encapsulated uh, the funniest thing I've ever seen. But I feel bad for some of the people that actually believed they were going to this and weren't smart enough to put it on their credit card where they could dispute the charge. That's what I'm, I it, Some people laugh at it because they say the rich, you know, are mm-hmm. getting burned. Either way, I, maybe I'm just too much of a softy, guys. But I... I see this and I just nod my head and go, how in the world does this does this happen? And no one realized that. Did you see that? I guess it's fire fraud, I guess it's called, right? Yeah, the, did, the, 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 the one, yeah. That was delicious in itself. Were you aware of that existence of that of that uh of that account prior to the festival? Oh, oh, the the actual fire fraud account. Um I think like the day I wanna say the day of or the day that we were flying down. I think I saw some tweets from it and it still didn't like, I seemed to really check out. I'm like, like, cause I thought it was a former employee that was just kind of like disgruntled because, you know, they point out like, um, well, this part of the Island isn't really an Island and it's, it's on this section. And to us, like, I think somewhere along the way, I want to say in an email, they had said like, we're, this is where we're going to be. And and so we knew that. Like we didn't actually expect from from the get go we were gonna be on Pablo Escobar's island. Like that wasn't a huge, you know, selling point. In fact, we had looked up that island and, and thought, there's not any infrastructure on that island. They're gonna be you know, they're gonna have to build some stuff. And then when we found out that it had been um moved, I can't remember but we, we thought, Oh well, you know, great. I mean it's it's on an island that has like running water electricity like it's an actual real place um so you know to me like a few of those tweets that i saw didn't seem like that you know bad i guess if i had gone looked and seen the original stuff i mean i I guess i went back and looked at it and there was a lot more there um but yeah that wasn't like a, a smoking gun at that point or anything or it wasn't like a red flag at that point i will say this um, this is the gift that keeps giving. Talking to Seth Crosno here on Good Morning Amigo about the fire festival, the festival that never was. Um, it's the gift that keeps giving. Do you think there's other spinoffs? Because I saw the Hulu one, and the Hulu is different. It, it, there's a lot of footage. There's a lot of movie references. I saw The Office tossed into that a lot. And then they poked fun at some of the supposed influencers, including yourself, so to speak. I thought that was interesting. That was my favorite part. That's yeah. the best part, right? Like, I was like, yeah, I made it, Mom. They're making fun of me. And then yeah. how did your friends react to all that? Were they upset? Um, no. A lot, amazingly, a lot of people don't know that that one exists. Um, and uh, But the people that did see it, they thought it, was, they thought it was funny. I mean, they know that my sense of humor is like self-deprecating and that – I laughed like I was sitting there with my mom and Mark, whose idea this was, and we were watching. 
it on my phone and um and they they did that thing where the music fades out like the other influencers don't know who i am and i just laughed out loud because it's like they were trying to make fun of me but like why would anyone know who i am (laughs) you know if i was actually famous you know i'd be like oh man kind of it's my ego but i mean that's exactly kind of um that's like the perfect joke for you know uh influence a quote-unquote influencer um but uh but yeah that documentary i mean it was it was interesting there could be a whole documentary about the the kind of race to get a documentary out between you know the netflix group and the hulu group and i was involved with both of them i interviewed with both of them and um so it was interesting to see the approach that uh, they took so you know i i don't want to put you against the wall to say anything you can't say, but obviously at the end of the documentary, it claims that uh, you won a lawsuit. Uh, you And I guess it's a class action. I guess it wasn't just you. It was you and a group of people. And obviously you guys haven't seen the dime of the money. Uh, I know that that's a sensitive yeah, issue, but I, I, I think it's fair for everyone to know that that happened. And, and, you know, to your behalf, I hope you get paid on it. Like, honestly, it's not a... I think the experience, the documentation of it, everything that went along with, including the inconvenience of having to deal with all the stuff you dealt with um, on a class action suit. I'll let you explain if you can, but I wanted to give you credit for stepping up and doing the right thing. Um, I felt like that was just, um, how may I say this, Frank, you and I talked about it. I thought it was the right thing to do, whether he saw a dime or not, right? And I think he probably went in knowing that, and whoever went in, is it a class action? I don't want to assume, is it? Yeah, I'll, I'll explain. It's it's uh, complicated because on Monday, like the Friday that we got back, um, you know, all this stuff happened. But I had tweeted at Stacy Miller, my attorney, um, kind of jokingly, like, I'm leaving Fire Festival. Um, you'll be hearing from Stacy Miller. And that was just sort of like an in-character thing. I didn't actually think, okay, like, we're going to sue them. Um, because at that point, like, we were still getting on the plane at, like, 1 in the morning. And that was before the whole get on the plane, get off the plane, get back on, get off, wait in the airport. And, you know, just like, it was like midway through the, the whole ordeal. Um, and so I tweeted that out and Stacy calls me and I'm in the airport and um, she said, oh, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm in the Bahamas. He's like, all right, let's talk when you get back. And, and you know, I explained everything to him and he was like, this is fraud, you know, and uh, you guys are out some money and there's some things that I think, like this is just not right and if you want we can file this lawsuit against you know all these parties and i thought this is i mean it's the right thing to do to try to you know hold these people accountable because um it turned out it was fraud you know on uh, a lot of different levels but the class action lawsuit was filed by the um, garagos mark garagos the celebrity attorney uh, he filed that on like Sunday or Monday night, like a few days after the festival. Um, and we didn't have any part of that. It was a hundred million dollar class action lawsuit. Um, ours was, was not a hundred million dollar lawsuit. It, uh, you know, we wanted our, our, our money back. And then I didn't even know really what we were asking for. Stacy was doing the, the sort of legal, you know, all that stuff. And, um, the judge awarded, uh, you know, this $5 million judgment against Billy McFarland. Um, and we, you know, are now in the process of, of trying to collect. We're obviously in line behind, um, the, you know, the government. I think 
he owes like $26 million to the government. Um, but, uh, you know, I always said, like, if we collect on that, um, you know, the, I would love to donate that or, or, you know, donate some of it to, to charity or to the people that were, that were impacted. And that was kind of the goal, um, at the, at the time, um, because none of the people have been paid back. Fortunately, the, uh, the films and their, you know, the fact that they went viral pretty much on Netflix um, resulted in Marianne, the um, the person who was doing all the kind of catering and everything for them. Uh, she got a GoFundMe set up for her, and she was trying to get back like $123,000 that she'd never been paid. And the GoFundMe raised like $240,000, That's amazing. Or something like that. That's awesome. So that was like the, the, the silver lining in this is that she actually got uh, – um, got paid back, and then there was a separate GoFundMe set up for some of the other people that worked uh, that were down in the Bahamas, and they, uh, I think they raised like seventy or eighty thousand. But, but apparently, Marianne took some of the extra money she got and, and gave them um, some of that. But you know, they're still not made whole, you know. And then that doesn't include all of the like, you know, T-shirt vendors or other people, you know, in New York that were doing things, um, you know because they thought there was a real festival. And so there are a lot of people that are still, you know, out because of this. And there's a bankruptcy trustee who's trying to track down all the money as we speak. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, they settled with Kendall Jenner. And, um, you know, that's a whole other story to look into. It's that, you know, these models were paid to do a job and they did the job. They went down and, um, you know, they did the video shoot. Kendall Jenner posted on Instagram about it. And, um, I guess there's some law in the bankruptcy world that says if you were paid and the money was, you know, obtained through fraud, you're, you have to pay that back. So, you know, people were, uh, were, I guess, surprised that like the, the models were taking the money, but I mean, I don't really blame them for, for doing their job. Um, and they, some of them have ended up settling with the bankruptcy trustee. I think Kendall, Henry got paid $275,000 and decided or agreed to pay back 90000 of that. Um, so that's still an ongoing process um, to, to try to get that money back. And then the bankruptcy trustee will then try to pay back the the people that Billy defrauded, you know, the investors first probably, and then the, the people who have submitted claims in bankruptcy court. But that $100 million class action lawsuit is, I think kind of dead in the water. I mean, they never like made the actual case and it's actually kind of funny. Like my tweets are in it and it's, it's really not written well. When, when Stacy looked at it, he said it might as well have been written in crayon. So Ouch. Um, yeah, it did not, uh, it didn't really um, work and, and you can read it and, and I've read through all this stuff. It's kind of um, like fascinating to see what, what they're saying and then you know grant margolin the marketing guy he'll he would respond he was defending himself and so it was just funny to kind of read all this and see the back and forth that was going on in court and um yeah that, that case i think is now part of the bankruptcy trustee um proceedings but that hundred million dollar class action i would not uh, expect that to, to be successful yeah, that's that's somewhat unfortunate, but I think there's a principal matter there that I think you. Uh, that's why I applaud your your efforts on that on that level. 
on the other thing that the one I think we one thing we haven't really touched on I you is there we, we talk about that there's a lot of levels to this story um at some point Billy's gonna get out of jail am I correct is he still in jail yeah he'll be out uh, he got sentenced for six years and now I think he started serving in um in October of 2019, 2018, I can't, I can't remember the dates, but yeah, he'll be out in like 2024, I think. So yeah, that's going to be interesting to see. Like apparently he can't stand as a, as an officer in a company. I, I got to imagine he's got to have some other restrictions. Do you think he tries to do something stupid again? Like I, I wonder, like, I think his job here is to turn around and say his story, maybe create his own story to this but not very believable but i don't know that's the only thing i could see him doing if not he's are these people who used to back him once upon a time going to be there for him when he gets out i I seriously doubt that yeah it's interesting because i mean he does have some sort of ability to convince people to do things for him and um andy king the um you know the famous uh evian um guy uh had said recently, I saw on the Instagram live that he would not, you know, work with Billy again. Um, but, you know, Billy has been running a few different things while he is in prison. Um, there was an Instagram account where he was posting uh, or having people on the outside post for him. And there were these kind of like cryptic, um, you know, uh, posts about like, I can't even remember what it was, but, um, it was clear that he wanted to continue telling his story or his side. And then um, when COVID happened, he started a nonprofit called Project 315. And that was to raise money so that um, inmates could talk to their loved ones, um, I guess for free. I guess a phone call in prison is like $3.15. And so they thought, well, if people can donate to this fund, we will get the money to the prisoners and we will help people because right now, um, you know, people are so impacted by COVID-19, they can't afford a phone call to talk to their loved ones in prison. And, you know, it seems like a charitable, good idea, but, um, you know, and Billy had made an apology and everything, but it's like, I just wouldn't trust anything that he comes up with ever. So, um, I'm not sure what happened with that. I think they said they raised some money and there were some screenshots. There was a whole Instagram account and everything, but he'll definitely do something. Like when he's out, it's, you know, I would not be surprised to see a reality show or something like that where, where people are watching. I mean, OJ Simpson got a reality show, I think after, you know, his trial. So before he went to prison, Seth, man, I appreciate your time on the show. Um, it, it, it's a cool peel back behind the curtain on this story. Um, I also believe that there's more to it. Like, I think that at some point someone's going to tell another version of it. Uh, it will get worn out at some point, but you still go around and I'll, I'll ask 10 people and they have no idea what I'm talking about. And that's why I think there's still more room to grow with this because there's so many levels to it that are hysterical. Like, I could see someone taking an incredibly satirical and comedic view on it and doing it. And it being just like a total roast for 30 minutes or an hour. So it's like a pseudo documentary with comedic uh, overtones. And uh, uh, I don't know, just just my thought process on that, because I think it's it, it's hysterical 
regrettable, and delicious all at once. And you, that, that's hard to get those three ingredients in anything nowadays on TV or, uh, or for that matter, like on Netflix or Hulu. So I want to thank you for coming on. I'm sure you just kind of lives with you almost every day. I'm sure people talk to you about it all the time. So I appreciate you taking so much time to talk about it. We're the... We're the ones that talk about it all the time here. We're fascinated with it, and we tell everybody about it. So we'll continue to point them towards these documentaries as well. Yeah, and that's kind of the, the goal. I, I said I would start a podcast, and, and I've got the, the website and the social and all that set up, but I haven't actually put anything out yet. But uh, my idea when I got home was, oh, let's start a podcast. We'll call it Dumpster Fire Podcast, and we'll just tell the stories of the people that went, like, why'd you go, and you know, it'll be a couple episodes and it'll just be funny. Like I'm the idiot that went to fire festival. Um, and that was before we knew about all the crimes and, and, and all that. And so now it's like, I, I kind of want to cover all of these things, like the New York city VIP access selling, you know, tickets to the Met Gala and all, all these just crazy. That's the funniest one. Cover. The ticket to the Met Gala to me is hysterical. Yeah. You can't even get that. <laughs> <laughs> It's just unbelievable. And then the more you dig and the more you read through, it's like there's stuff from the Magnesis days that wasn't covered. Like he tried to start basically Uber for planes. Like he, you know, he was like, oh, I want to take a, want to take a flight up to the Hamptons, you know, just get your Magnesis card. And it's like, you don't have planes. Like, what are you talking about? Um, so there's so many little side stories and that's kind of, I wanted to sort of capture all of that. And, um, the, the podcast is still in the works. Um, I'd love to get that out. Um, and I always say soon, but here we are in like 2020, and I can't believe that there's still things going on, you know. So We count down till we get to a little bit more normalcy. You know we're here for you. We will promote it. I know that, you know, yeah. we, we talked about how you were planning on doing that, and I know, you know, we will help you any way we can because I like getting the truth out. So, you know, even if we've got to poke fun, at something and do five minutes once a week, giving us an opportunity to point people towards your podcast. And at the same time, a funny tidbit or something hysterical to say about uh, the experience, whatever I I'm all in for it, man. But you know, you have our support. Great. Thank you so much. All right, Seth Grosno, we appreciate you jumping on with us. Thanks so much. On the other side, guys, we, uh, we will continue doing what we do best. Remember 10 o'clock hour. We'll have Walter V. talk about front page three Oh five. Uh, when we come back from break, more of what we do right here on Good Morning Amigos, Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Hey, look what I found. A radio. Radio. Slam Radio, Sirius XM Channel 145. The views and opinions expressed on Good Morning Amigo are entirely those of the hosts, guests, and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Slam Radio.